This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Two lengthy shows on tap tonight, so we'll get right to the action with the adventures of Ellery Queen and the episode, The Impossible Crime. Romo Seltzer presents The Adventures of Ellery Queen. of Bromo Seltzer bring you another thrilling adventure with Ellery Queen, the celebrated gentleman detective in person. Ellery Queen invites you to match wits with him as he relates another story of a crime he alone unraveled. Before revealing the solution, he stops the play, gives you a chance to solve the mystery. Our guest armchair detectives for this evening are Miss Sonia Bigman, contributing editor of Time Magazine, and Edward Pauley, who plays Steve Wilson on the famous radio program Big Town. And now, Ellery Queen, Master Detective, and your host for the next half hour. Thank you, Ernest Chappell, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight's case will really test your mettle as an armchair detective, because I can assure you it had us thinking hard. It's about a man who could disappear almost at will. I call it The Adventure of the Vanishing Magician. <laughs> You are, Mr. Forsyth. Oh, dear, my dinner will be ruined if that husband of mine doesn't get home soon. You think after tw- 20 years of married life, a man would get to know his spare ribs get dry. You were crying, Mamie, and it wasn't about Hal or the spare ribs. Now, you go back in the parlor, Forsyth, and read your variety and billboard while I see if I can't save my dinner. You were crying about the house, weren't you, Mamie? Yes. Well, we haven't lost the old shack yet, Mamie. <laughs> now, stop crying. Think of the good old days. Oh, the good old days. What for? We'll never see him again. Oh, don't you believe it. Bonneville's coming back. Yes, sir. Before you know it, you'll be right back in the old five-a-day again. Hal and Mamie Dover, songs and patter. Maybe Bonneville's coming back, Forsyth, but Hal and me won't come back with it. Nor you, nor Avanti. The great Avanti, magician supreme. Gilbert Forsyth, quick change artist. Oh, it's old stuff. Passe. They'd laugh us off. Yeah? Well, I'm as good as I ever was. I've kept in practice, Mame. I haven't let the hinges on my theatrical trunk upstairs get rusty. No, sir. Remember that quick change act I had? Riley of the New York Finest? Where I played all seven parts? Why, it laid him in the aisle. It was corny, Forsyth. 
Pal and me were corny. Avanti and his magic was corny. We're through, and you know it. Through, am I? I'll show you all, and especially that sarcastic booker who threw me out of his office yesterday. Oh, what's the use? You knew we were through when you, Avanti, Hal, and me pooled our savings 13 years ago to buy this house. Yeah, you're right, Mame. We thought we'd have at least a roof over our heads. Now Oh, we... there's the front door. Hal? Me, Mame. Hal, I thought you'd never get home. Home? Oh, evening, Forsyth. Hal, did you see that pagan at the bank? I saw him. What did he say, Hal? He busted a gut laughing. Oh, Hal. Uh, so we lose the house, is that it? Next week, unless the U.S. Marines save us in the nick of time. But, Hal, what'll we all do? Where'll we go? Search me. Oh, Mame, stop crying, huh? Know where I told you we did wrong when we mortgaged that house five years ago. And what were we supposed to eat, Forsyth? Your 1929 billboard clippings? Hal Dover, I'll have you know. Yeah. Well, now, next week is next week. Right now, we have a dinner to eat. Though heaven knows, Hal Dover, you've done your darndest to spoil it. Now, sit down, both of you. I ain't hungry, Mame. You're going to eat, mister, and we're not going to wait for the great advantage. I'll have the ribs out in the jiffy if they ain't dry as dust. Right. I guess I'm jumpy, Forsyth. Yeah, it's my fault, Hal. It's losing the house and all the money we put into it. Going back to a furnished room. Avanti? Hello, Manny. Hal, Forsyth. Where are you, my friends? Uh, in the dining room, Avanti. Ah, I am late, no? Hmm. The long, long faces. No luck today, eh, Hal? Sit down and eat your soup, Avanti. Avanti? Yes. Oh, it's about time. Now, now hurry with your soup. Attention. The great Avanti is about to give a performance. Ah, uh, what's he so gay about? Cut the clown on Avanti. I ain't in the mood. No? Then I shall put you in the mood. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if I may have your attention, please, observe. There is nothing up my sleeve. Cut it out, I said. Hell? Hell's on edge, Avanti. Oh, who wouldn't be losing the house? And who says we are losing the house, huh? The bank that's holding the mortgage, you punchy dope. Avanti says it is not so. What? Huh? Huh? Ah, your faces light up, eh? My friends, I have it all fixed. Avanti, we won't lose our house. No, Mamie. And what is more, we shall have enough dough to last us a long, long time. Ah, you're crazy with the cold. That's something crooked. No. It is not something crooked, Forsyth. But, Avanti, you ain't serious. How can you save the house? Follow my instructions and have faith. What do we have to do, Avanti? Nearly when the proper time comes to get out of the house for one evening... Leaving it unoccupied. That is all. What are you going to do, burn it down? Now, even that wouldn't do any good. Our fire insurance laps. Now, you two stop. Avanti. Yes? You want us to leave the house for one evening and, and that'll save it? Yes, Mamie. I uh, suppose you'll do it by magic, Avanti. Yes, Mr. Dover. By magic. <laughs> you have the beginning of our mystery. We'll be back in just a moment to tell you more. But first, Ernest Chappell. I heard tell the other day about a lady who paid her first visit to New York just recently. That was plenty exciting for her, all right. Even though the bright lights aren't quite as bright as usual, there was plenty to see and do. Plenty? I'll say so. I never saw so many people or places at one time in my life. And the crowd. <laughs> yes, indeed, the crowd. Well, after a few days of helter-skelter running around, the lady woke up in her hotel room one morning feeling like this. Oh, my head. Yes, a common sick headache. Not unusual when you're on the move more than you're used to being. 
But was she going to let that stand in the way of seeing all there was left to see in New York? Not on your life. I had headaches in my own hometown, too. And if Bromo Seltzer could make me feel so much better back home, I guess it would work just as well in New York. So she up and went down to the drugstore, had the clerk mix her a Bromo Seltzer at the fountain, and... And pretty soon I felt like my old self again. So I went on to see Grant's tomb and the Statue of Liberty just as I'd planned. Ah, <laughs> good for you. And good for Bromo Seltzer. You'll find it's handy to have around, friends. So get a big blue bottle of Bromo Seltzer tomorrow. And now back to our story. It's two mornings later, the scene, Inspector Queen's office at police headquarters. There's the maestro on Miss Porter, Inspector. Hi, Petey. Come in, you two. A very call to headquarters, Dad, means a case. Is it a case, Inspector? <laughs> it's a case, Nicky, but best if I know what kind. Henry, shake hands with Mr. Bandy, Mr. Steele. My son, Henry, Secretary, Miss Porter. How do you How do? do, you do? do? No. This really isn't a matter for the police, son. The inspector and me thought it was a lot more in your line, Maestro. Screwball stuff. <laughs> Sounds interesting, Sergeant. First, I'd better explain, son, that Mr. Steele here is a very wealthy businessman with a peculiar hobby. I thought I recognized you, Mr. Steele. I have read an article about you in a magazine recently with your photograph. <laughs> That's me, Miss Porter. Your hobby's collecting magic tricks, isn't it? Yes, indeedy. I'm an amateur expert in magic. Know more about magic than these fellows know themselves. Hey, Vandy? Mr. Steele, you are the boogeyman of my unfortunate profession. Mr. Steele's a shower-upper, Maestro. These guys make up magic tricks. He figures them out. I see. For years, Mr. Steele's had a standing offer of $25,000 to any professional magician who can show him a magic trick he can't solve in 24 hours. Wonderful. You're sort of a magic detective, eh, Mr. Steele? <laughs> yes, sir. The best of them have tried to collect that $25,000. No one's collected it yet. Mr. Steele's seen through every magic illusion ever invented, Ellery. Mr. Steele will not see through mine. You see, if Andy's taken up Mr. Steele's challenge... He claims he can pull a trick that'll fool even Mr. Steele. Oh, swell. What's your illusion, Mr. Vandy? I shall disappear in thin air. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not new, Mr. Avanti. Houdini made an elephant disappear in full view of a theater audience. I saw the old master do it myself. All disappearance illusions are done with mirrors and apparatus. You won't fool me with one of those moth-eaten tricks, Avanti. But, Mr. Steele, I do not use mirrors or apparatus. Huh? Well, Avanti, I'll hold you to that. No apparatus, Mr. Avanti? Well, um, but may I ask why you've come to the police? <laughs> It's going to be a case for the missing persons, Bureau, ain't it? Oh, <laughs> I wish Mr. Steele to be completely satisfied about the conditions under which my illusion takes place. You see, Ellery, Avanti and some old-time vaudeville friends of his jointly own a two-story brownstone in Chelsea that's in danger of foreclosure. It's one of them old babies, Maestro, and a solid block of attached houses, all alike. All alike. And hmm? Mr. Avanti wants to win Mr. Steele's money to save the house? Well, I'm sorry, Mr. Steele, but from now on, I'm on Mr. Avanti's side. <laughs> <laughs> the more the merrier, Miss Porter. Disappear into thin air without mirrors or apparatus? <laughs> no. Mr. Avanti, just how do you intend using the house in this magic illusion of yours? Ah. First, Mr. Queen, I wish the house to be examined from basement to roof, inside and out, to satisfy Mr. Steele that there are no sliding panels, hidden passages, tunnels, or secret hiding places anywhere inside. There goes my solution. <laughs> Secondly, Inspector Queen may station police as guards at each exit from the house to see that I do not escape. As many men as you please, Inspector. On the roof, in the basement, the backyard, at the doors and windows. In fact, I shall be insulted if you do not put a veritable human cordon around the house. <laughs> 
<laughs> You're making it impossible for yourself, Avanti. Ah, that is the essence of the illusion. Finally, I shall enter, alone, in full view of all of you. And you will not find me in the house when you look. I shall have vanished. And then, Mr. Steele, you have 24 hours to solve the problem of my disappearance. Or pay me $25,000. You're crazy, Avanti, but by George, you're on. When will you be ready? Tonight. Well, you gentlemen will have to count me out. I can't touch it. No crime involved. Inspector, please make an exception. Dad, uh, excuse us a moment, gentlemen. Oh, yes, very well, Mr. Dad, cooperate no. with Avanti. But I've no authority, son, in a thing like oh, this. Oh, you can find the authority, Inspector. It means so much to Mr. Avanti. Well, the guy's a nutter, a publicity hound. He's neither. He's doing it for that little group of X five a day or sergeant. They need that $25,000 to save their house. That's all very true. Be a sport, Dad. Play along with Avanti. It's a favor to me. Well, what will the big jinx say? And he talks three languages. Inspector, please. Well... Blast it. All right. Thanks, Dad. Uh, Mr. Avanti, Mr. Steele. Okay, Mr. Queen. I ought to have my head examined, but... Okay, gentlemen. Oh, good. Fine. Avanti, get ready to disappear from that house of yours. Tonight at nine. Do you really think Avanti's going to be able to pull this off, Hal? I don't know, ma'am. I'm hoping. That man Steele must be as crazy as a Vandy. Without apparatus, impossible. Why, when I headed the bill at the New York Palace back in 27... Yes, I... yes, we know for sight. You laid them in the aisles, eh? Ah, Mamie, Mamie, smile. The house is as good as ours again. Oh, Avanti, please don't miss. Avanti, well, good luck. Avanti, I'm not against you. I... Well, it's just that, well, people get so darn bitter. I understand. And I will not fail you. Come on, you people. You're not supposed to be here, Mr. No. and Mrs. Dover, Mr. Forsyth. Now, according to the agreement, you folks wait in that corner cafeteria till this is over. And don't worry, Mrs. Dover. I have a hunch Mr. Vandy's really going to do it. Oh, I hope so, Miss Porter. Come on, Hal. Okay, and Mr. Forsyth, we'll right. get some Avanti will bring the bacon to the house. Now... Are you gentlemen all satisfied? Yes, Mr. Avanti. And uh, where is Mr. Steele? Here I am. Are you ready, Avanti? If you are, Mr. Steele? Hold it a minute. Steely. Yeah, Inspector. Hurry up before the reporters get wind of this. Everything's set, Sergeant. Yes, sir, myself. Uh, Mr. Steele, are you satisfied that there are no secret passageways or hiding places in the house? Well, it's true. I searched it myself. It's okay, Mr. Steele. I had a department expert look the house over from top to bottom. He says there's no way out of the house except through the regular doors and windows and the roof and cellar. I'll testify to that, Mr. Steele. I look myself. Is the house completely empty now, Sergeant? Well, no. I met one cockroach in there. He kissed me. He was so glad to see somebody. <laughs> that was good for a laugh at Tony Pastors. Come on, Billy. How about the police detail? Uh, okay, Inspector. The whole place is surrounded. I've even got eight cops on the roof watching the roof door. Don't worry, Inspector. He won't get out. Okay, Billy. Mr. Vandy, go to it. I shall, Inspector. Now, you gentlemen will please allow me exactly two hours inside the house. At the stroke of eleven, answer. <laughs> and try to find me. Really escort Vandy up this stoop and see that he enters the house. <laughs> up to Daisy, magician. Brother, your favorite. The best of luck, Mr. Vandy. And I hope we'll not be seeing you. Hey, you'll see him, Miss Porter. Don't worry. In you go, Vandy. Arrivederci. Until later. Watch closely, Mr. Steele. We don't want you saying afterwards he didn't go in. 
I'm satisfied. He went in. Keep that back of yours against the front door up there, Sergeant. You'll have to ooze out of a crack to get by me, my scum. Well, now for a two-hour wait. Might as well sit down here beside me on this bottom step, Mr. Steele. With pleasure, my dear. <laughs> if a banty gets out of this house now, he is a magician. <laughs> This would be exciting. All I've got out of it so far is a bad case of yawns. Isn't the time nearly up, Ellery? Uh, yes, Dad. One minute to eleven. Two hours. He'd need two centuries. <laughs> Don't laugh yet, Mr. Steele. Oh, here's Sergeant Beely back. Beely, shake a leg up this stoop. What do the men report? You've made the rounds of the police on guard, Sergeant. Yeah, Mr. Steele. They all say the same thing. The fanny didn't come out. How about the roof, Dad? You men up there in the roof. Yes, Spencer. Everything under control up there, officer? It's exactly 11 o'clock. Let's go in and see. Yes, let's get it over with. Well, well, open the door, Bailey. Okay. Wait, Sergeant. <laughs> I see it now by George. <laughs> the tricky devil. Simple as ABC, too. What simple as ABC, Mr. Steele? Look, Queen. Avanti built up the psychology of his audience. In this case, us. By making us wait out here for two whole hours. Of course he's still in there. But he's hiding in the hall somewhere and he's waiting for us to come in. So that we'll impatiently rush upstairs? Exactly. Then he'll simply sneak, by, sneak out of the house through this front door we'll have left unguarded. Of course, that may be Avanti's plan, Mr. Steele, but somehow... Well, it is, it won't work. Beanie, stay on guard at this front door while we go in. Huh? Don't move a step from this door. Is that what I get after waiting two hours? Okay. Ellery, for goodness sake, open that door. Here we go. Avanti! I don't see him hitting the boy down here. No place for him to hide. It's, it's awfully quiet, isn't it? Mr. Avanti! Oh, dear. Well, well, Inspector, where did Ellery and Mr. Steele go? Don't tell me they disappeared, too. They're searching the downstairs rooms, Nicky. Here I am, Dad. He's not down here. Oh, Mr. Steele, any luck? No, he must be upstairs. Randy, come down out of there. Let's go upstairs, too. Right, Dad. If he's really disappeared, it's the most marvelous thing I ever heard of. Oh, Mr. Steele, what... He's not in that bedroom. A band-aid. Queen, try that room. Right, Steele. Oh, that's empty. I'll try this one. Oh, looks like a study. Oh, not in this not one, in either. There. Dad, did you look at the stairs leading to the roof trap door? Not hiding there, Henry. Well, Mr. Steele, it looks as if... No. There's one door we missed. This one. Oh, yes. That's the door to Avanti's own room. And this is where he is. Game's up, Avanti. We've caught you. <laughs> Confounded, Avanti. Open this door and stop making a ridiculous fool of yourself. You might try the door, Mr. Steele. It may not be locked, you know. No, it isn't. He isn't here. This is the last room. But it's not possible. Wait. That clothes closet. He's hiding in this clothes closet. My thunder, he did it. But, but he can't have. Mr. Steele, you might be interested in this note I just found on Avanti's bed. A note? Let me see it too, Ellie. <laughs> what did the little whiz write, son? Gentlemen, you may search this house until doomsday, but you will not find me for the simple reason that I am not here. Mr. Steele, you have 24 hours to figure out how I vanished into thin air or failing, pay me $25,000. Signed, the great Avanti. Oh, <laughs> my
Listen, Mr. Steele, how many times do I have to tell you that he didn't sneak past me at the front door? But he did it some way. He got out some way. Oh. This is getting monotonous. You still have five minutes of your 24 hours left, Mr. Steele. He didn't get out. He's still in the house. Where, Mr. Steele? You practically picked the house to pieces in the past 23 hours and 55 minutes. Well, Inspector, you're sure the police are still on guard outside? They mustn't leave their post yet. You hear me? I don't know why I take this from you, Mr. Steele. But my men haven't left their post since they came on duty last night. Then where is he? I can't understand it. Not a single clue. Not one. I disagree, Mr. Steele. You what, Queen? It's really a very simple problem. Don't tell me. Maestro. Yes, Sergeant. I know how Avanti did it. Queen, tell me how. Quick, before my time's up. Delroy Queen, don't you dare. He's supposed to figure it out for himself. You heard the voice of the people, Mr. Steele. I'll give you $5,000 if you'll tell me how Avanti performed this trick, Queen. Chinhorn. Make it ten, Mr. Queen. Ten thousand. You're a chiseler, Mr. Steele. Sergeant, open the front door. We'll wait for Avanti on the stoop. Well, please. I'll make it fifteen, Queen. Hurry. Mr. Steele, I'm beginning to dislike you. You want to chisel these people out of their home? When you've lost a bet, you yourself made. It's not that. It's my reputation. Hands up. He's lost. Oh. Yes, you've lost, Mr. Steele. Our four ex-Vaudeville friends have won. Ah, one of them, And my here friend. comes the great Avanti strolling up the street. And there, ladies and gentlemen, you have the mystery. While you try to puzzle out just how Avanti disappeared, suppose we see how our guests are making out. Nikki, will you introduce our guest armchair detectives for this evening, please? All right, Ellery. Our first guest tonight is Miss Sonia Bigman, contributing editor for theater and radio on one of the nation's most important and widely read publications, Time Magazine. Miss Bigman is an avid mystery story fan, and as such, we heartily welcome her as guest armchair detective tonight. Our second guest is a man who, like yourself, Ellery, is tough on criminals. He's Edward Pauley, who plays the part of Steve Wilson on the famous radio program Big Town. Big Town is the inside story of a big metropolitan newspaper, the Illustrated Press. Each Tuesday evening, Steve Wilson, as managing editor, with the beautiful Lorelei and ace photographer Dusty Miller, give radio one of its most exciting programs. Ellery? Thank you, Nikki. Miss Bigman... How do you think the great Avante disappeared? Well, I can only think because I'm not uh, I'm not guessing it at all. The yeah. only spot that uh, that I can tie up this thing is um, when Mr. and Mrs. Forsyth or Hal and Mamie Dover were talking about the great Avante. They said he had once played all seven parts in something called Riley of the New York Finest. Mm -hmm. I think he probably got himself dressed up as a policeman and walked in and out all over the place. Mm -hmm. Without being seen? Well, he just joined the cops or oh. something like that. The only other thing is, that the only other clue might be that all the houses look alike. Thank you, Miss Bigman. <laughs> and now, Mr. Pauley, how do you think the great Avanti disappeared? Well, Ellery, a managing editor isn't a detective. <laughs> Not much good without his staff. <laughs> now, if I could have Lorelei and Dusty Miller and Fletch to help me out, I, I sound like an expert. Well, I'll just have to take the flyer and say that I'll string along with Miss Bigman on yeah. their solution. As a matter of fact, I actually have some mental notes here in that direction. I follow pretty closely what she uh -huh. uh, In other words, my mind goes back to the fact that there was a quick change artist involved, and I think that... Uh, like a lot of the actual function of these disappearing tricks is that it happens 
before we actually think it. Thank you, Mr. Farley and Miss Bigman. We're going to tell you the correct solution to tonight's mystery in a moment. But first, Ernest Chappell has a most important word to say to you. Friends, before you crumple a piece of paper to toss it into the fire, wait half a second and think about this. Waste paper is mighty valuable. America's paper mills need every scrap in order to produce enough new paper and paper board to make the containers and cartons that are so essential. Now, you'll be doing your country a real service if, instead of burning waste paper or otherwise disposing of it, you sell it to junk dealers, donate it to charitable organizations, or hold it for your local salvage committee. Consult your newspaper for dates of collection. We've got to get our mills back to full production so they can make the cartons for food, the containers for shells, the bomb fins, camouflage paper, dozens of other vital products needed to win the war. <laughs> All right, Mr. Steele. Cough up. Now, Mandy, here's my check for 25000 And I still can't believe you did it. My friends and I thank you, Mr. Steele. But you've got to tell me how you did it. I've just paid a lot of money for not knowing. Yes, I think we ought to tell, Mr. Steele, eh, Mr. Vanty? You've solved my illusion, Mr. Queen. Oh, he always solves everything, Mr. Vanty. Gallery, please. I tell you, if you don't, I won't sleep tonight. All right, Lily. Well, our magician went into the house. Two hours later, we searched it, and he was gone. Vanished, as he claimed, in thin air. Yet the reports from the policeman on guard at every exit from the house were that Mr. Avanti had not left. But he did leave, Henry. That's a fact. Yes, sir. Consequently, when your policeman said he hadn't left, they only thought he hadn't. He has. You mean Mr. Avanti got out of the house under the eyes of grown policemen without their knowing it? It's the only possible explanation, Nicky. But how? Well, what was the situation? A house surrounded by police, men in uniform, a couple of dozen of them. Take the roof. Eight uniformed police on guard. Let's consider those eight policemen. Each officer, wherever he turned, saw another officer, another blue coat. The police uniform is a great leveler of personality. And besides, Mr. Avanti cleverly set the time of the illusion at night when visibility is poor. <laughs> and because the roof held the largest congregation of police, I say Mr. Avanti got away by the roof disguised in a police uniform. Oh, sure. What a fool. What a fool. Confirmation? Yes. Mr. Vanty asked for two hours, when obviously a few minutes would have sufficed. Why did he ask for two hours? Because he's a student of human nature, like all magicians. He knew that in two hours, the watching police would be bored, that their vigilance would relax, that they'd start trudging around the roof to keep warm, smoking, chattering, milling about, so that Avante, watching from inside the roof trap door, merely had to wait for a single instant when none of the eight pairs of eyes was on the roof door, and in that instant, slipped noiselessly out onto the roof in a policeman's uniform. And there he was, on the roof at night, just another officer of the law. He might have done the same thing, not disguised. But he knew he'd never be able to get off the roof once he slipped out of the trap door without being spotted. Dressed as a policeman, however, all he had to do from that moment on was saunter quietly about among the eight real policemen, minding his own business, until he saw a chance to slip on to an adjoining roof. Remember, this is an attached house, and make his escape from some house farther down the street. <laughs> he may just make the trick possible by insisting on a big police guard. But where did Mr. Avanti get the policeman's uniform, Ellery? There was even a clue to that. We've all been told that Mr. Forsythe, the quick-change artist, lives in the house, and his old theatrical trunk is in his room. 
And what was the sketch Forsythe used to do in the glamour days of vaudeville? He used to play all seven parts in a skit called Riley of the New York Finest. So in Forsythe's trunk, there must have been a New York policeman's uniform. Mr. Avanti, I should like to shake the hand of an artist. No, no, Mr. Queen. The honor is mine. Believe me, Mr. Queen, I am so happy it wasn't you I challenged to solve my illusion of the vanishing magician. (laughs) And there, ladies and gentlemen, you have the solution to the mystery. I want to thank Miss Bigman and Mr. Pauley for appearing as guest armchair detectives this evening. We want especially to compliment both of them for their skill in solving the crime. We have for both Miss Bigman and Mr. Pauley a personal gift from Bromo Seltzer, also an autographed copy of my latest mystery anthology, The Female of the Species, and a subscription to Ellery Queen's Mystery Magazine. Hang on now, friends, because Ellery will be right back to tell you about next week's mystery. Meanwhile, you can grab a seat aboard the one and only talking train. Here we go. All aboard. Fight headache. Three ways. Yes, that's the right track to quick, effective relief from common sick headache. Bromo Seltzer. You see, Bromo Seltzer fights headache not one, but three ways. Bromo Seltzer quickly helps relieve that pain in your head. Bromo Seltzer quickly helps settle upset stomach. Bromo Seltzer quickly helps calm jumpy nerves. Now, you can take Bromo Seltzer while it's fizzing or after it settles down. Use it only as directed on the label. For frequent or persistent headaches, see your doctor. But when it comes to common sick headaches, take a tip from our educated train. Fight headaches three ways. And now, Ellery, suppose you tell us about next week's case, huh? Sure, Cat, sure, Chappie. Well, ladies and gentlemen, next week, a young lady offers me $5,000 to get back the stolen sum of $3. I can't tell you more. I'd tell you too much. So I'll just caution you to get your thinking caps all shined up next Saturday for the adventure of the $3 robbery. And don't forget the other great Bromo Seltzer show friends, Vox Pop, the show that travels America. Next Monday, Vox Pop starts its 12th year on the air. That's it, its 12th year in radio when it takes you to Halifax, Nova Scotia for interviews with Canadian Navy U-boat fighters. Don't miss Vox Pop next Monday. Consult your local paper for the time and station. Music for the Adventures of Ellery Queen is by Charles Paul. Stay tuned now for Life with Luigi, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Life with Luigi, starring J. Carol Nash, and the show first aired in 1948. From Chicago, we invite you to enjoy life. Life with Luigi, a new comedy show created by Cy Howard and starring J. Carol Nash. (laughs) A 
A year ago, when Luigi Vasco left Italy to start his new life in America, he promised his mother that he would write her and tell her about his adventures. So now we look over Luigi's shoulder as he writes another letter to Mama Vasco in Italy. Dear Mamma Mia, Chicago is a very fine city and full of very fine people. It's very interesting for me to stand in front of my store and watch people walk by and guess what they are by the way they walk. Yesterday I watched a man. He walked very fast. He's a banker. Then I see a man walking not so fast, not so slow. I think he's a clerk. Then I see a man... He walks very slow, and I look very sad. He's a Republican. <laughs> because, you see, Mamma Mia, was a big election in America last week. Was a very close race between the two fellas. Mr. Truman win, Dr. Gallup lose. <laughs> but now... American people forget all about the politics. Now they're interested in a football. But it's a wonderful country when one day people fight about a politics, next day football, and I'm very happy to be here. Only other country, Man Pasquale, who bring me to this country and who has Pasquale's Spaghetti Palace in next store, he is unhappy. For him, only important campaign is for me to marry his daughter Rosa. Oh, Mamma Mia. If you see her, you know what means the word in inflation. <laughs> she weighs more than she's worth. <laughs> if a fella marry her and the must carry bride into house after the wedding, he can't make it in one trip or must make it two trips. <laughs> but I have my antique business, and I try to forget the Pasquale. This morning, just before my general manager, the 12-year-old bambino Jimmy O'Connor go to school, I show him a sign that I paint to myself. All right, Jimmy. We put the sign in the window. Then you go to school. How do you like it? Special fire sale. But, boss, you haven't had a fire. I know. But tomorrow I must pay insurance, so today I have fire sale. <laughs> How do you like my printing, Jimmy? Well, for a man who's only been here a little while, it's pretty good. Sure. I don't write with the broken handwriting anymore. You tell my teacher, Miss Spaulding, huh? Hey, boss, look who's coming. Customer? No, it's Mr. Pasquale. What does he want so early in the morning? Same thing he wants later tonight. <laughs> I should marry Rosa. What are you going to say? Same thing. No. Maybe I ought to stay. Don't worry, Jimmy. You go to school. Luigi, my friend. Hello, Luigi. Hello, hello. Hello, Pasquale. Hello, Jimmy. Goodbye, Mr. Pasquale. Goodbye, boss. Study hard, Jimmy. Maybe one day you go to electoral college. Ah, <laughs> oh, he's a fighter boy. And you look a fighter, too. The answer is no. <laughs> I didn't even ask you anything. You know the answer. You're going to ask me to marry Rosa. The answer is no. You think Rosa is the only thing out of my mind? See. No, you out of my mind. Today, I'm just full of love for everybody, even you. No hard feelings, only sweet. And I'm going to prove it to you. Tonight, I'm going to give you a vacation. Where I go? First, I ask you, if somebody say to you, Luigi Bosco, you choose any place you like to go in Chicago tonight, what do you say? 
Who asked me? Well, suppose. Is it like in a storybook when he was a little bambino? Uh, good fairies ask you. Then, then I go to beautiful palace downtown. Buy popcorn, and while I eat the popcorn, I see a movie. <laughs> it's even a better. How would you like to go to the opera tonight? Opera? Oh, Pasquale, I don't hear opera since I leave Italy. You like opera? It's a foolish question. It's like asking you if you like money. All right. <laughs> Here's your two tickets for the opera. Free? Free. How much? That's a matter for you. <laughs> Why are you so suspicious? Here. Here, you hold the ticket. Okay, Pasquale. Fine. Now you find a nice girl and you take her to the opera. Okay, I call up Mrs. Spaulding. She's a nice girl. If I give you two tickets and I say find a nice girl, I'm a no mean a Spaulding. I'm a mean a Rosa. Then no more talk about a marriage. Okay, no more talk about a marriage. We talk about opera. Okay? See, si. what opera is it? Marriage of Figaro. There you go again. That's in the name of the opera. That's the matter for you. Go to opera here. Take a rosa. Here's the two tickets. If I take a rosa, then I need three tickets. <laughs> okay, okay. So, Rosa, she's a little fat. What else you got against her? Nothing. Then why don't you marry my baby? I'm in no position to marry. So you're changing your position. <laughs> you, you don't understand. First place, I owe you $800. Forget it. It's very easy for me to forget. Trouble is, you always remind me. Not today. Then... I have a little store. Is it just big enough for me and Jimmy? I build you a new store. I even buy you new antiques. Isn't that right? I don't want your money. Please, Luigi, don't let my money stand in the way. Even if I love a Rosa, I don't marry her. I can't even afford to buy a girl a little present. You marry Rosa, she give you a little present. <laughs> Look, Pasquale, all over the world is a custom. If fella gonna marry girl, he give her engagement ring. I don't believe in engagement. With a me, get right down at the business. Put on a wedding ring. <laughs> I don't have a money, even for a wedding ring. I buy you one. No. I ask my wife at Teresa, she lend you hers. She's to wear it long enough. <laughs> I'm a much obliged. No, Pasquale, I don't marry Rosa unless I have to. Is this your final statement of my Yes. Friend? Absolute positive final statement? Yes. And give me back my tickets. No marriage to Rosa, no marriage to Figaro. <laughs> huh. That Pasquale, he's so angry he don't even close the door. Well, it's a nice day. Maybe I catch a little bit of air. Oh, out of my way, bud! Hey, excuse me, mister. You don't see me, huh? You must have been in a big hurry. Hey, mister, you drop something. Hey! Mamma mia, you dropped a diamond ring. Excuse me, lady. I find the ring, so I like to advertise in your newspaper here. Yes. Please, I like to see the boss, Mr. Greeley. Who? Mr. Greeley. We don't have any Mr. Greeley. But it say up there, Horace Greeley, founder. <laughs> oh, that, Mr. Greeley. He's not connected with us anymore. What is it you want? See this ring? Mm, the honey. It's a diamond. I find it in front of my store. And my teacher, Miss Spaulding, she say advertise, and so now I can... Well, advertising department to your right. Right. 
What can I do for you, sir? I like to put an ad in your paper. Oh, good, good. Uh, how much space would you like? I think uh, one a page is plenty. <laughs> a page? Yes. Well, uh, won't you sit down? Thank you. Hmm. May I have your name? Bosco. Luigi Bosco. Well, mine is Randall. Hello. Uh, what is the nature of your business, Mr. Bosco? Old and new antiques, also statues of colonial furniture. And uh, where are you located? Next door to Pasquale Spaghetti Palace. Uh, where is that? Next door to me. <laughs> uh, uh, any credit or banking references? What do you mean? Well, I mean, do you want to be billed for this, or, or will you pay cash? Oh, I pay cash. A page, that will be $3,000. $3,000? I don't know. It costs us so much. Uh, I don't think I'd take a page. Well, uh, how much would you like to spend? $1,500 or $1,000? A little less. Well, then how much would you like to spend? $2. What'd you say? Two dollars. Yes. Yes, that's what I, I thought you said. Oh, what's the matter? Are you angry? No, 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 no. I never lose my temper, no. <laughs> well, it's all right. If you lose temper, all you have to do is put an ad and you find it again. Thanks. How big is this ad? One inch. Now, uh, what do you want to advertise? I find the ring today and I want to give it back. A lost and found ad. Just a found. Other fella lost. Might happen to you sometime. Uh, uh, why, why didn't you say so in the first place? This is the first place I come to. All right, all right. Now, uh, what, uh, what kind of a ring is it? Here. An engagement ring. See. I see, all right. You don't understand. When I say see, this means yes. Yes, I understand. But when I say see, this means a look. Whichever it is, what do you want to say in this ad? Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> if somebody lose engagement ring, please come and see Luigi Basco, old and a new antiques of 21 North Halstead Street. Open night and day, no appointment necessary. Only two blocks from elevated station, walk to corner... You want to say all that for two dollars? No. No. Well, how can we fit all that in a one-inch ad? Use a small letters. <laughs> Well, one-inch ad wouldn't hold more than about a dozen words. Then what I say? Well, well, let me see. Ring found in front of 21 North Halstead Street. Call Luigi Vasco. This first time I have a name in American newspaper. Maybe I spend more money. Take more space. Well, for four dollars, Mr. Vasco, I can give you a two-inch ad. On the front page? And I suppose you'd like us to run your picture for the same price. Good. That's a good idea, Mr. Randall. Never so much I expect in America. Look, look, Mr. Basco. For two inches, you get 25 words in the classified ad section. Now, will you please dictate it to me? Then I say, Luigi Basco, 21 North Holstead Street, the dealer in new and used antiques. You can drop that. Drop a what? The antique stuff. If I drop antique stuff, it'll break. <laughs> No, I mean omit. Omit? Yes, leave out. Why? Well, the antique stuff takes up too much room. Oh, no, I got a bigger story. <laughs> Mr. Basco, please finish that ad. Remember now, 25 words. Because... All right. Uh, Luigi Basco. Okay, that's, that's two words. 21 North the Holstead Street. 
That, uh, six words. Who owns antique stores? Uh, ten words. Found the diamond ring. Thirteen. Remember, twenty-five words. <laughs> if owner tell me inside says John to marry Winnetka... <laughs> Nineteen hundred forty-six. I return the ring. Twenty-six words. Mr. Basco, one too many. Then make it nineteen hundred forty-five. <laughs> Mr. Basco! No, never mind. Never mind. I'll... I'll do it myself. I'll just do it. I'll just... <laughs> Here we go. There we are. Twenty-five words. What word do you take out? Winnetka. Oh, no, it's my favorite word. But you must lose some word. Okay. i show you how to get it. Take out the my name. Look, look, Mr. Basco. There's a fine newspaper across the street. There are competitors. We hate them. There's two dollars of my own. It's my lunch money. You go over there and give them the ad. Oh, oh, thank you, Mr. Randall. But I give you my business. And here's my two dollars. Yes, well, thank you. And if you ever find anything again, keep it. No. Oh, no. Honesty is the best policy. Luigi, my friend. Hello, Luigi. Hello, hello. Hello, Pasquale. Where you been? Newspaper office. What for? Never see a fella like you. Always going to some new place. Is it like this, Pasquale? I explain to you. I find a ring. You find a ring? This morning, a fella bumped into me. He dropped a ring, he ran away. So you gave it to a newspaper? No. My teacher, Miss Spaulding, she say, if you find the ring, you advertise in the paper. Same time, also advertise in my business. Free. Uh, what kind of ring? This one. Hey, that's a beautiful engagement ring. Sure. Where you find? In the front of my store. I bet you get a bigger reward. Oh, I don't care. I care. Who's your landlord? You. Well, if you find in front of my property, then we go 50-50, eh? <laughs> I, I don't argue. If fella give me money, I give you half. <laughs> I'm only fooling the Luigi. Who's interested in the money? You. No. <laughs> no, Luigi. Is it come a time when a happiness is more important than a money? Pasquale, you feel all right? No. That's what I think. <laughs> I'm an old man, Luigi. I'm already living my life. Pretty soon, I say goodbye to you. Goodbye, Pasquale. <laughs> Don't be in such a hurry. <laughs> then I, then I wait. How would you like to do one little favor for poor Pasquale before he's a kick in the bucket, eh? Please, Pasquale. You make me very sad. Luigi, you my countryman. I do you a favor, I bring you over. Now? Now maybe you do me one favor before I say bye-bye. I try, Pasquale. For one little second... Put that ring on a rose's finger. You're just a plain dead, Pasquale. You try to fool me. I no fool you, Luigi. I just want to see with my own eyes how roses look when she's wearing an engagement ring. Then I die happy. Is it this a promise? I give you my word. What do you say? <laughs> but, Pasquale, girl's name on a ring 
is Mary. That's a no problem. Mary, Mary, Rosa, Rosa, come out to here and bring your finger with you. You told me, Papa. Look who's here, Rosa. Hello, Luigi. Hello, Rosa. Go ahead, Luigi. Put out of the ring. Okay, Pasquale, but you promised Rosa to take it right off. Listen, Luigi, I'm a dive. So am I. <laughs> Put on a third finger, left hand. Can't tell the difference. <laughs> Is it too bad, Pasquale? The ring don't fit. Stop breathing, Rosa. <laughs> now both of us are together. Push. Okay. Now you can breathe again. Go. <laughs> oh. I do your papa a favor. I make all men happy, Rosa. I feel it 20 years younger already, my son. <laughs> Mamma mia. Now you two is engaged. Engaged? <laughs> is there no time to laugh, Rosa? Is it your ring, Luigi, you know? No. You find it, it's yours, that's the law. I find the real owner. You the real owner, my son. Rosa, give me back the ring. <laughs> I see you put a ring on a Rosa's fingers with my own eyes. That's enough for me. Please, Rosa, stop breathing. I pull off the ring. What's the difficulty? The ring. She's a stuck. So are you, my son. <laughs> For the second act of Luigi Basco's Adventures in Chicago, we turn to page two of his letter to his mother in Italy. So, Mamma Mia, I'm in a big trouble. Pasquale took me into putting ring on a rose's finger. Now ring won't to come off. It's like trying to pull a cow out of a milk bottle. <laughs> So Pasquale is very happy. Like they say in America, he got me over barrel. <laughs> if ring don't come off Rose's finger, then I must marry barrel. <laughs> now, with the Rosa attached, owner no have to give me reward. I give owner reward. <laughs> Well, pretty soon now you're going to lead my Rosa down the bridal path. <laughs> Pasquale, I'm not going to marry Rosa. You give Rosa a ring, you engage. But it was not my ring, Pasquale. If nobody shows up, it's your ring. So what? Put the two and the two together, what do you got? Rosa. <laughs> Look, don't worry, Luigi. Maybe now you don't love Rosa, but when you marry her, she's a grow out of you. I'm another flower, Pater Pasquale. <laughs> I put the ring on Rosa only to do you a favor. That's right. That's what I tell everybody. Luigi Vasco, do me a big favor. He's a marrying of my Rosa. You know right to tell people lie. Okay, you don't want to marry Rosa? Take her back to the ring. I can't. So you see, it's the truth. And don't worry, my son. Pretty soon you believe it, too. And I already make plans for the wedding. It's going to be the biggest wedding anybody's having in this neighborhood. People's going to talk about it for years. That's because I'm not going to be there. <laughs> You're going to be there. 
You'll be there, all right. All dressed up like a dummy in a window. Black coat, the stripes of pants, and a rose says she's going to be dressed in a wife. Now listen, Luigi, my wife, Teresa, she's been out cooking up a smaller family dinner for tonight. I'll be back in a half an hour. I'm not to go on. Then Rose is a comer for you. Instead of you carry her over the threshold, and she's a carry you. Mamma mia, I'm in a big trouble. Oh, here come a customer. Is this 21 North Halstead Street? See? Si. You Luigi Pasco? See. Si. Okay, cough up that ring. Please, mister. I'm not to swallow ring. And hand it over. You see my ad in the paper? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, quit Gavin. How I know is your ring? I'm the guy you bumped into. Excuse me, you bump into me, then I holler. Okay, okay, okay. Come on, let's have that ring. First, you identify. What it say inside the ring? John to marry Winnetka 1946. Oh, you John? No, I marry. <laughs> Come on, get going, Buster. We'll have trouble. Got a plenty of trouble already. If you're smart, you'll get rid of that hunk of ice fast. It's hot. Ice? Yes, yes. Now, come on, stop stalling. You're talking to little Louie. I, I, I don't have a ring. Rosa, she's got it. Rosa? Who's she, the fence? She's in the whole backyard. <laughs> come on, now, cut that double talk. Please, you're joking me. Uh, is, is it like this, Mr. Lo little Louie? I show Pasquale the ring, and he said to me... Now, look, that... cut the conversation. I want that ring, or you'll wind up in cement. Mamma mia, you're a sculptor. <laughs> no wisecracks. Come on, come on, where's the ring? I, I, I don't have... It's on a girl's finger. And get it off her. Please, give me a little time. I'll give you 15 minutes. If that ring ain't here then, bud, you're dead. Thank you. Pasquale. Luigi, what's the matter? You're shaking her like a spaghetti in a hot water. Luigi. Luigi, I'm, I'm in a plenty hot water. Pasquale, owner of a ring, was it just been in my store? I don't believe in this. So what does he want? Ring. Please, Pasquale, must take ring off Rosa's finger. Oh, no, no. I don't trust you, Luigi. Once you take off, you never put him out again. He's a very mean fellow, Pasquale. If I don't have a ring in 15 minutes, I'm a dead. And then a Rosa be widow even before she's married. <laughs> That's a pretty bad for you. Please, Pasquale, I don't want to die before I get a citizen of papers. That's a foolish talk. Is it not illegal for a dead man at the vote? <laughs> Pasquale. You must pull a ring from Rosa's finger. It's easier to pull a Lake of Michigan from a Chicago. <laughs> but I help you, Luigi. How? When a man is a comer for the ring, if he don't find the ring, maybe he's to take the money. But I don't got the money. Luigi, I lend you the money. I don't want a condition. Okay. I'm Mary Rosa. Here you are, my son. Give a man a hundred dollars. That's a plenty for a ring like that. What do you say, my son? Thank you, Papa. Hey, look, there's a Jimmy coming home from the school. Hello, Mr. Pasquale. Hello, boss. Hello, Jimmy. Soon are you going to be a flower girl? <laughs> what did Pasquale mean by that? He means soon are you going to be flower boy. Huh? Yes, Jimmy, I'm going to marry Rosa. 
Oh, no, boy. Oh, yes, Jimmy. How did Pasquale hook you? Here's a long story, Jimmy. I find the ring today and... Ring? You know about it? Well, not about the one you found. But here's something in this afternoon's paper. Listen to this. Hendrick's home robbed. Bandits escaped with famous jewelry collection. Diamond ring stolen valued at $20,000. What else to say, Jimmy? Inside the ring, there's an inscription. Married to John Winnetka. 1946. <gasps> Mamma mia. Hey, boss, how did you know that? Quick, Jimmy, call up the police. Give me the police. Put that phone down. Who are you? Detective Horan. You got a wonderful police department. Very good service. <laughs> Now, never mind the wisecracks. Search a joint, Tom. Right, Harry. <laughs> so, you're Luigi Vasco? Yes, sir, Mr. Policeman. Are you packing a rod? I'm not in a rod of packing a business. <laughs> now, where's that ring, Mr. Vasco? I know God. Look, we just picked up little Louie, so you might as well come clean. Nothing in there except some old furniture. You look in the backyard? Yeah. Find anything? About 30 Dewey statues. <laughs> Say, I sell them to you cheap. Who helped you pull that big job? Big job? Stop stalling. Only big job I know is the Rosa. Rosa? <laughs> Who's Rosa? The brains of the mob? She looked like the whole mob. <laughs> Now, what'd you do with the ring? Please, I tell you a whole story. Take this down, Tom. Shoot, Luigi. You shoot a Luigi and I can't tell my story. <laughs> this, this is morning, I find a ring outside of my store. Look, little Louie told us all about it. Hey, Luigi, did the fella come for the money? Not yet. Oh, at the ring, it's a looking so beautiful, out of roses, a finger. <laughs> oh, yeah? Who's this guy? That's the Pasquale. Who'd you say was wearing the ring? My little girl, Rosa. Oh, so you're in on this, too. Hey, why are you asking so many questions? We're from the police department. Well, I'm a no-buy-no-tickets to the policeman's ball. <laughs> Pasquale, please, you're talking too much. You'll talk more downtown. Tom, get the girl, Rosa. Maybe the gang will talk to the chief. The chief? Mamma mia, they still got Indians in Chicago. <laughs> Here they are, Mr. District Attorney. Now, you, Mr. Basco, and you too, Mr. Pasquale. You'd better listen to me carefully. See, si. see. Si. Now, I've read the statements you two men gave the police, and I don't believe a word of it. I'd say the truth to Mr. D.A., I swear. If I'm a liar, I hope for Luigi's a drop dead. <laughs> but it's, it's all your fault, Pasquale. I tell you no try the ring on Rosa's finger. You say try. If you marry my Rosa a long time ago, this is gonna happen. Stop that private argument. You're gonna talk yourselves into a long prison sentence. Please, Mr. Attorney. I'm an honest citizen. He's an no citizen. But but when I get to my papers, I'm honest a citizen. Now I'm a just honest Luigi. I do everything like the law says. Law says don't step on a grass. Luigi don't step on a grass. Sina says it don't feed animals. Luigi don't feed animals. Sina says one way street. I walk one way. Sina <laughs> says don't cross the street. So I'm in this country one a year and I've never been on the other side of the street yet. <laughs> I 
all of my life. I only want to be in this country. I understand, Mr. Bosco. But this whole thing is incredible. I don't understand how a man like Mr. Pasquale can go to such lengths to get his daughter married. If you see my little baby, you understand. <laughs> Bring her in, her aunt. Rosa! Rosa! Yes, Papa. <laughs> now I understand. <laughs> Take him out, Horan. No charges. Thank you, Mr. District Attorney. Thank you. You do me a big favor. I do you a favor. What? From now on, Mr. District Attorney, I always listen to your radio show. <laughs> Cy Howard production and is written by Highcraft and Cy Howard and stars J. Carol Nash as Luigi Bosco with Alan Reed as Pasquale. Music by Wilbur Hatch. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Six Shooter, followed by Our Miss Brooks. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.